Hello and welcome to the Powerful Personal Brand Podcast, where I and my guests share tips to help and inspire you to build a great personal brand to increase your visibility and authority. I am your host, Claire Bond, and on today's episode, I am very excited to be joined by Jem Fuller. Jem is a leadership mindset and communication coach. He has packed a lot of colorful and wild experiences into one life, from a global tattoo artist and fire dancer, barefoot backpacker and kindergarten teacher, through to corporate leader and now an executive coach and retreat facilitator in the remote Himalaya, Bali, and the deserts of Australia. Woo, that was an mouthful. <laughs> Gems recently published a book called The Art of Conscious Communication for Thoughtful Men, which is now available on Amazon. And you can also see his TED Talk on YouTube. Gem, thank you so much for being here. That is a That definitely qualifies as a wild breadth of experience. <laughs> Thanks so much for having me on, Claire. Yeah. So, I mean, tell me what, given all of that experience, like what kind of made you land on being an executive coach, a mindset coach? What what made you land there? Yeah. Look, I I think it was it was a journey. I don't think there was any one particular thing that made me land there. But it's it's interesting having landed, so to speak. I mean, I, I believe that we're always still kind of moving yeah. and we're always going somewhere. But being where I am now and, and working in the space that I do with senior leaders, helping them with communication, helping them to become more conscious as individuals, and then helping them to build healthier workplace cultures, which is essentially what I do. Um, it seems like all the aspects of my life are for a reason now. Mm -hmm. You know, the years that I spent as a, a try-hard actor, <laughs> um, the years that I spent immersing myself in foreign cultures and learning how to communicate cross-culturally, the years that I spent as a corporate leader and, and, you know, going through lots of leadership programs, and then the years that I spent um, diving into and studying human behaviour and neuro-linguistic programming and behavioural profiling and all that sort of stuff. All the pieces now seem to make makes sense. Mm -hmm. So I, I've ended up here. When I first started my coaching practice nine years ago, I was a generalist. I was literally coaching anybody that would let me coach them. <laughs> um, and because of my background in leadership, yeah. you know, the universe works in mysterious ways and, and it just kind of more and more leaders were showing up in front of me saying, can you help me lead my team? And it got to the point of, of coaching senior leaders. Mm -hmm. Yeah, Amazing. Yeah. So I, I guess like what I one of the things that kind of comes to my mind because I can definitely see how you know helping people understand and communicate can just be so amazing. But are you finding more people kind of open to this now? The the idea of okay, um, instead of there's one way, maybe there's another way. Maybe I can improve myself. Do you, do you find that people have maybe become more open to change and making themselves better in that way? Yes. In answer to your question, yeah, I think so. I think people are opening up. Um, part of my job is to get the job first, and then once people have me in their organisations and trust me, then to challenge the way they're thinking and then to, you know, guide them to alternative ways of going about communication mm -hmm. or, or leadership and things like that. Mm -hmm. So sometimes people, well, quite often people have a very fixed idea of how they think things should be. Um, so if, if we can resonate with them where they're at and they go, I, I kind of like what you're doing and I can see how that fits with my 
my paradigm, my understanding of how things should be. Mm-hmm. And once you've got, once they've got you and you're in there, yeah. then you can help them see things more broadly. Okay. Yeah. So I guess tell me, like, how is it? How do you work with people? So you said that some you you work with you you kind of are, become part of the organization. Or like, how does someone? How do you work with your clients? Yeah, the the most sustainable um, change that I can help facilitate is when I become reasonably embedded in the organisation. I'm never an employee. I'm always a, a consultant. Um, but the organisations that I can help create, you know, the biggest and, and most sustainable change with, I work with over a period of time. Mm-hmm. And then there's other organisations that say, hey, we've heard about you. Can you come and run a workshop mm-hmm. for our people? Mm-hmm. And I'll go and run one workshop um, and... You know, people are entertained and maybe maybe a little bit inspired, but not much real change happens if there's no consistency and accountability after that. Yeah. So maybe one or two people out of the workshop take something away and say, right, I'm going to go and implement that. Mm-hmm. But to create, you know, broad-reaching change, we need some accountability and, and you know, some ongoingness. Yeah. So what, I mean, what drives you to do this? Like you, you start, you said you started out as a generalist and now you moved into this. Like what kind of drives you to keep doing this work? I'm really clear about my mission, my, my purpose, mm-hmm. you know, beyond survival. So beyond putting food on the table for my family mm-hmm. and, and a roof over our heads. Mm-hmm. Beyond that, I really care about making lives easier. Mm-hmm. You know, that's my, my broad personal purpose. Mm-hmm. My, my outward facing business purpose is to create more conscious leaders and healthier workplace cultures. So that's the tag that sits on websites and, you know, collateral and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. But personally, I really am on a mission to help make lives lives easier so if I'm if I'm you know on purpose Mm -hmm. then that's what drives me you know and I've got this insatiable love for humans I love humans and even though we're complex and crazy and 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 largely dysfunctional you know there's a lot of humans doing crazy silly stuff (laughs) I can't help it I just love humans and and I have this feeling that most people and I might be wrong, I don't know, but my belief is that most people are good. Mm-hmm. Most people wake up in the morning trying to do good, you know, to whatever degree that is for them. And I love that and I believe in humanity and that's what drives me. I love connecting with people. I love having conversations with people and, and hopefully opening their eyes to some mindset shifts that can make their lives easier, that can make them more effective as leaders. Mm-hmm. I think the reason I really love working with leaders is because if I can help that person, the ripple effect yeah. is larger because they're, they're directly responsible for influencing you know other people as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, what my first corporate experience was in New York City, which is not known for being like really open-minded and yay, let's talk about our, you know, the way we can improve our communications. It's just like, whoa, this is what we're doing. Um, especially right. was when I started. And I feel like there's definitely been the, a shift that I see. And now I'm in, in Los Angeles, obviously, it is a different world. And the people that I work with are different. But I'm hoping that this really does start kind of permeating across the world, really, because I've, I've definitely seen I've other talk, talk to other people that are, they're also in this space of trying to help people communicate better, because it just does make such an impact on the people that you work with. I mean, from from dealing with people that were horrible at communication with me as, as, you know, working for them, it really just affects the whole business and whether you want to get up in the morning and show up, the productivity that you're going to have. I mean, is that that kind of the driving force that makes people come to you or is that, do they see it later as a benefit? 
Wow, that's a good question. You know, if I could get inside the heads of the people that come to me, and I'm lucky, very lucky, and, and I feel blessed now to have got to a point. It's certainly not an overnight success, as, as you know, but over the last nine years, I've built a reputation locally in, in my area down here near Melbourne in Australia, where the phone rings. So I don't need to certainly don't need to cold call or, or even really try and get clients. Clients are coming to me. So why do they come to me? Um, I guess they've been told that uh, I'm good at what I do and, and what do I do? He coaches leaders around a more functional mindset and communication. Mm -hmm. So I'm guessing that's why people come to me, Claire, but I don't actually know. Okay. <laughs> I don't actually know why they come to me. <laughs> um, but certainly I do know that when they, when they do engage me, um, you know, I, I have a way with people and a way for them to trust me really quickly. Mm -hmm. And once once you have someone's trust, then you can guide them responsibly to ways of thinking that they haven't thought of before mm -hmm. and share some strategies and techniques around communication. Mm -hmm. But communication to me is massively important, not just in the corporate setting but in all aspects of our lives yeah. you know in in love you know relationships where two people love each other mm. trip over in the miscommunication and you can have two people that are fighting often and they, they love each other mm -hmm. they're just missing each other in communication mm -hmm. you know and what's happening globally at the moment you know it's for someone who loves humanity, it's sad for me to see people shouting at each other across these digital divides of difference, Yeah, you know, and, and people who have identified with a particular politic over here and someone who's identified with a different politic and they don't even know each other. Yeah, I know. And they're yeah. shouting at each other and they're trying to cancel each other and it's not helping. No, <laughs> It's not getting us anywhere. Yeah. You know? And the thing is, Claire, that these people – they want to make the world a better place. Yeah. They genuinely believe that their way of thinking will help improve the world, and it may. But shouting at each other is not the communication strategy that's going to help us do that. Yeah. You know, and I find that when we get two people from different sides of a political ideology or even two different departments within the same organisation okay. or the two different people in a relationship, when we get them together and they can remember that we have things in common, mm -hmm. right, and if it's people who are opposed ideologically, that you still love your children, mm -hmm. that you still feel the pain of grief when someone dies, that you still need food and water. You know, we have a lot in common. Yeah. And when we can come back to the commonality, then we can start to build some communication around that mm -hmm. rather than starting with the difference, you know. Yeah. Well, I, I hope more people, I would definitely uh, think that's a great message. I definitely think that there needs to be more of that, that kind of finding that common ground um, instead of going straight mm. to the negative. Um, so I always want, I want to share, share tips because you're, you're, you know, obviously great at what you do and you've been sharing a lot of great things and how you've helped people. But what are like three things that you can tell somebody that they can do today to be a better communicator? Okay, so the first one I heard um, at the Global Mindful Leader Forum in 2014, okay. which was in Sydney, Australia, and there was an American keynote speaker. I can't even remember his name, but he reminded me of like a combination of Buddha and the Dalai Lama and Eckhart Tolle, you know, and he walked onto stage. He was quite a small man and the whole auditorium just went silent. He just had this presence about him and he was obviously projected onto this big screen behind him on the stage. And he said two things that really stuck with me and it was just the right time to hear them because I, I went and took those things and created um, habitual practices in my life. And one of them, one of the things he said was pause often. 
pause often. And I went, wow, what does he mean by that pause often? So I took that and I literally created this thing that I call pause moments. And it's now become a habit for me, but to help create a habit, I can share one of James Clear's habit forming hacks from his book, Atomic Habits. But pause often or pause moments is really just in between two things. So you've finished sending an email and you're about to go on to the next thing. Just pause, take a breath and then continue. Or I find it really effective when you're on your way somewhere. So you're going from the office to the car. As you're walking to the car, stop, pause, take a breath and continue. Now, this might sound too simple to be a, a game changer or to be effective, but it's deceptively simple. Mm. When we pause often, we're creating these little moments to recalibrate back to our place of equanimity, back to our calm center. And for me anyway, it's been a real changer because I'm recalibrating constantly throughout the day. I'm accessing my place of calm more frequently because we get carried away, right? You get up in the morning and you smash down your coffee and you get the kids off to school and then you're racing here and you're racing there and it all by the end of the day and you've done the dishes and you kind of collapse on the couch. It's like, oh, wow, what a day. Mm -hmm. These little pause moments and they only take a few seconds. You know, I find them really helpful if you're running late. I hate running late for yeah. things. Yeah. And if I'm running late and I get to my laptop and I'm about to open my laptop and I'm late for a Zoom meeting, before opening the laptop, pause, take a breath and continue. So I'm only three seconds later to the meeting, mm -hmm. but I'm showing up in a different state. Yeah. Um, so they're pause, pause moments. I find them really useful. Um, something else that I prescribe to my clients and I insist upon is introducing a practice of mindfulness um, into their day-to-day -day lives, whether it's just two minutes of mindfulness before they get up in the morning or two or five minutes of mindfulness before they go to sleep. So mindfulness meditation mm -hmm. or integrated mindfulness. And mindfulness quite simply is just an attention to the present moment. So not thinking about what's just happened or not thinking about what I need to do tomorrow, just simply noticing what I can notice in this moment. So you can mindfully brush your teeth, right? And that's not taking, people say to me, oh, Jim, I don't have time to meditate. Fine, do you brush your teeth every day? Yes, I do. Well, there you go. Do it while you're brushing your teeth. So um, or you can sit and meditate. One question, I kind of, when, when you were said pause often, to me, I kind of thought of mindfulness because you're bringing yourself back to this present moment. Mm. So it's almost mm. like you're mindfully meditating multiple times a day to get yourself back into Completely. where you are. Okay. Sorry. So go ahead. Sorry. Yeah, that's exactly, just kind of what I thought. No, about. <laughs> yeah. yeah, no, you're exactly right. That's that's 100%. Okay. And, you know, when I have more time with people to talk about pause moments, I, I you know, we'll talk more about in that moment, mm -hmm. just bringing your attention to the present moment, noticing your heart rate, noticing your breathing, mm -hmm. noticing your emotional state or your mood. Noticing your thoughts. You know, people say to me, Gem, I can't meditate. I've got too busy a brain. And I say, well, welcome to being human. Yeah. <laughs> we've all got busy brains. We've all got this, you know, incessant stream of thoughts that are happening. That's okay. They can be an object of your attention as well. Mm. You know, you can just notice your thoughts also. Yeah. So, yes, the pause moments are, are mindfulness. And then the dedicated mindfulness is meditation. Um, I'm a big fan of, of um an American guy, Sam Harris. I'm not sure if you've listened to Sam Harris before. Yeah. And, and I, I use his meditation app called Waking Up. And he explains it really well. He's, he's got a, a really good um, 
literal understanding of what mindfulness meditation actually is and i find that very helpful mm -hmm. anyway there's a plug for your app sam um so that's the the second tip the third tip that i would um offer today and it's a practice as well and it is also a mindfulness practice to a certain degree is conscious listening mm -hmm. and really taking the art of listening to another level so that when you're listening certainly not queuing up to speak you know, not sitting there as the other person's talking, saying, oh, but in your mind, you're going, oh, but I'm going to rebut that with that, or oh, I'm going to say this, as soon as I get a chance to speak, I'm going to, I know what I'm going to say, mm -hmm. to, to put that to the side for a second, and to become mindful in the present moment, and to really lean in and seek to understand, especially if the person has a controversial point of view to you, to your thinking. And, you know, like I said before, we have this idea of how we think things should be. And I love the idea of just loosening your grip, just loosen your grip on the way you think things should be and really lean in and seek to understand. It's a beautiful practice. Mm -hmm. And Claire, something I've found also that as a listener, you can have so much to do with the quality of the communication because when you're listening and giving all of yourself to that person, on some level, they pick up on it yeah. and they relax and they communicate more effectively. They become more eloquent. Mm -hmm. They become more in the zone of sharing because you're so present in the listening. Right. I love those tips. So it's a really beautiful relationship. Yeah. yeah. So w one thing that came to my mind as well when you mentioned the pause often. So I don't know if you have a dog, but... Um, my my dog we had many issues with him in the very beginning and we hired a dog trainer and he would he would do the shaking and he would just shake so violently that his feet like almost came up and we were just like what is that why does the dog do that and um the trainer basically just says he changes his kind of his his attitude his state of mind so that's the dog's pause uh -huh. often is there shaking when you, you notice that they kind of change okay well i was i was here doing this now i'm going to shake shake it off that's their shit. That's yes, their pause yes. often is, is the dog. So I love that. anyway, so it's kind of interesting. You think about, we consciously have to say, okay, we should do this, but an animal just does it naturally. Does just does it. That's right. And that Claire, that kind of um, reminds me of this habit forming process that we can implement because dogs just do that. Mm -hmm. You know, zebras do that. You know, when a zebra has been chased by a lion and then they get away and they're fine and the lion's gone and they're safe again before they go back to being relaxed. They do that big shudder shake thing. Yeah. Yeah, and duck and ducks and yeah, anyway, yeah. humans don't. Right, we stay stressed, right? We need to, <laughs> <laughs> even when we, even when we don't need to be, we kind of stay like this. But anyway, so to to create these moments, these pause moments, if you take the new habit that you want to form, so say you want to form a habit of pausing often, and you connect it to an existing habit. So say, for example, you make a coffee every morning, which I do and I've got my little coffee machine and I make a coffee. Mm -hmm. So I initially took a, a post-it note that said pause, stick it on the coffee machine. And then every morning when I'd go to make my coffee and open the container with the fresh coffee beans in it, mm -hmm. I'd pause. 
conveniently just as I'd taken the lid off so I could smell the coffee. Yeah. Um, and I'd pause. And then what happens is we create a neural association. So now I don't have a sticky note on the coffee machine. But when I go to the coffee machine, I automatically pause now yeah. because I've created that, that neural association. Hmm. So you might end up with sticky notes all around your house and that's okay. Eventually you won't need them. Yeah. I love that. I love that. I love those tips. Those are such good tips. I um, in started incorporating, um, I was also an actor and um, I, there was a class that I took up called mindfulness meditation for actors. And I remember doing it. And once I literally started doing it, I, I started getting like great auditions and things just started kind of changing in my life. And it was just so bizarre how just kind of, I, I don't know what was, what was happening essentially with that. Cause I don't know that I necessarily changed, but whatever happened, I felt better. Um, I was better in these auditions. I mean, you kind of just think about so many ways um, that it can help you, even if it's just, if it is just that kind of five minutes or um, one of the things that the mindfulness coach mentioned that sometimes if you literally, if you can only get away on a walk, <laughs> you know, like you have to get out of this hectic yeah. house, then mindfully walk, yeah. be present. Yeah notice everything smell things hear things there's so many people that they, they go yeah. on walks and they have their earbuds in when i'm walking with my dog i'm i'm like i love walking around i see yeah. my neighbors hey how you doing so many people don't they're just so focused on this them so it's great yeah to be, absolutely to be open and you, you know you hear like you know chirping squirrels and all these like crazy things but it just helps you kind of get out of your your head which most of us need yeah. <laughs> more often than we can Yeah, than we absolutely. Think. I love yeah, that. Yeah, it's you, you're so right, Claire. Yeah, you're so right, and, and it, it is. It's so healthy for us, and you know, over so, so there's immediate um, benefits of a, a mindfulness practice. So, for example, you sit down and you focus on on the birds, the sounds of the birds, or the trees that you can see, or the smells of the flowers, or f focusing in the moment. Mm -hmm. And immediately afterwards, you feel calm. Mm -hmm. So, this is a, an immediate benefit. And there's also longer term benefits when you meditate and create a practice over years. And those longer term benefits are. I mean, I'm almost tempted to put them in the category of a superpower, mm. you know, because you can you can develop the ability to go from a particular physiological state, say that you've got into a state of complete frustration or maybe even anger, and your whole body is angry, your head's hot, your heart's racing, you're breathing heavy, your thoughts are tumbling furiously. You can go from that state to calm, properly calm, like that. Mm by accessing this, this state that you've trained yourself to get into, you know, mm -hmm. you can go from being nervous and anxious before doing a keynote presentation to calm and centered before you step on stage. Yeah. You know, and that's what probably what was happening for you when you were acting, you know, you were able to calm yourself and really access your true creativity, your true presence in the moment for whatever role you were playing. And that's why you started getting the gigs. Perhaps, yeah. You know. Yeah. It definitely. Um, well, because this is the personal brand podcast, we would be you know remiss if we did not talk about that. So I definitely want to talk to you. You, um, what has been like? What are some things that, that you have learned about building your own personal brand? And like particularly, what are some challenges that you faced when building your brand? Look, I think um, building your own personal brand is a wonderful vehicle for the deepest piece of of catharsis of of personal development work that that you need to do which is 
coming to a place of understanding that you are completely enough just the way you are, mm. you know, that you're exactly who you're supposed to be and you shouldn't be more like that person over there because you're not, you're not them, you're you, mm -hmm. you know. And so when you have the courage to build your own personal brand, it's a beautiful journey or opportunity for you to practice dropping into your own authenticity and just showing up just the way you are and trusting that the people that resonate with you will, will find you or be drawn to you and want to do work with you. So that's that's a really a beautiful piece. I have and, one thing to say um, to that. You know, I, I love that. Yeah. Wow. I can't I that, I mean I'm I'm I'll quote you, but I'm gonna I, I do you mind if I steal that? I can't even tell you so Please. many people they get so hung up on wanting to be like somebody else that they don't have, yeah. they get, they get so worried. And, and sometimes when you are in the pro, you know, process of building their personal brand, sometimes they don't like the light shining on them. And if you are mm. truly helping people and giving people good advice, like great, take that light, help yeah. people be you. Yeah. And I think that there's this, yeah. there's this kind of a, a being afraid of, of being themselves yeah. and having that light shine on them as they who they are. So I love yeah. that. I think I think that, that more people definitely need to be. This is who I am. I'm not going to apologize for it. And you know that's yeah. I love that. Yeah. And Claire, so true what you just said. And and you know to any of your listeners who might find themselves still getting in their own way. A nice way to reframe it to help you get out of the way because you care about service and you care about positively impacting the lives of others. Think about all the people that need your help, specifically you, not anybody else, you, the people that need your help and they're not getting it because you're getting in the way, because you're worried about shining or shining brightly. You're worried about standing in the light. You're worried about are you good enough? All of these self-doubts, are actually getting in the way of you serving people. So get over yourself. I, I'm saying this with love. Get over yourself. Really, it's not about you. It's about the value that you're going to add to other people's lives. And stop getting in the way of that. You know, put it to the side and go and do your thing. Yeah. Anyway. I love that. Yeah. No, that is that's so perfect. Because that, that is one of the biggest things it, it, where, you know, I've dealt with this with clients. They literally self-sabotage. You, you work yeah. with them to a certain point and they're like, I can't handle it. And they, they're a lot of times like their outside networks will be saying essentially kind of, I don't like you being in the spotlight. They'll make fun of you. Yeah. Why are you in my feet all the time? I mean, literally these are the things that they'll say and they'll be like, I can't, I can't do this anymore. And I, you know, and they're like, you did a great job. You did everything you said you were going to do. I can't handle it. <laughs> they're like, yeah. it's so sad. Yeah. And it's oftentimes yeah. they have their circle of friends are not supportive and that's horrible. Yeah. And I think what, what happens, and I, I don't know if this is actually true. It's just, it's been my experience mm -hmm. and, and it aligns with a lot of books that I've read as well. The reason we sabotage is because we don't believe that we deserve the success. Mm. You know, we don't think we're good enough. This, this imposter syndrome that yeah. you hear being spoken about. And even more than that, when you believe you're not worthy, you, seek evidence 
around you to back up your belief and you even attract the wrong people to you. Well, you attract the right people for your belief. If you think that you're not good enough, you attract people around you who tell you that you're not good enough or laugh at you when you're in the spotlight. Mm -hmm. But you know what happens when you change your belief? The outside world changes. You attract different people, people who champion you, people who support you, people who want to see you shine. Yeah. Right, when you change your internal belief. And, and to do that internal belief change piece, which was, you know, which came out of my midlife crisis slash awakening when I was 42, and I went to work on myself, Claire, and it was boring and repetitive and it took a long time, but it was very literally re-brainwashing myself and saying to myself out loud many, many, many times every day, I am good enough just the way I am. Mm -hmm. I am good enough just the way I am over and over. And the neurons that fire together end up wiring together. Yeah. So you very literally manufacture this belief. And I created this belief that I am good enough. And now, nine years down the track, I'm like, of course I am. How could I not be good enough to be me? Um, mm -hmm. Here I am. You know, and then you don't even try anymore because you go, oh, I don't have to try to be me because I am me. Yeah. <laughs> I can just relax now and focus on helping other people. I, so I hope that helps your listeners. No, I think so. And, and I, I, I have to, I feel like this is such a great conversation. And I, one of the things I have to admit is that in a process, because I've been, you know, doing acting for, I did acting for a while. I'm not doing it anymore, but I've had like, uh, I had a, a food sh uh, food show. I, I taught people how to cook gluten-free food. Um, not yet. So yeah. like so many things that I've done. And a lot of times I had people in my life through like some groups and things that I belong to that weren't supportive. They would put me down. They would, they would put down the photos that I took of my food and some of these things. And um, I just kind of really just started kind of wipe, getting getting rid of those, like wipe the slate clean with these people. And my my, I it's it's sad to say that my network is is fairly small at this point. But truly, my true girlfriends and and guy friends, they champion me. They're just like, I saw that you did this. If I have a win, they're like, I'm so excited for you. But they're not they're not like feeling bad. By sharing, hey, I'm excited for you. Like you were saying how you attract people that are kind of in that same sort of space, right? They're like, well, this is what mm. I did. It may not be what you did. They're not trying to say, is it at the same level? It's not like I have to do tit for tat. Like they're just like, I'm I'm glad to be your friend and I'm glad that you know you're doing really well. Here's things that I did, and I don't feel like I have to compete with you. And I think that you, you get people that are in a better mindset if you just start kind of wiping. And it, maybe it's really scary because literally you'll, you'll go, I have to clear out all of my friends, <laughs> which I kind of did. But if they are really yeah. not serving you, it's not going to serve you. You're not going to be your best self. You're not going to have your best friend. You're not going to communicate effectively. You're not going to do anything because you always live with that self-doubt and those people that are kind of like in your head, you know, those little people on your shoulder going like, you can't do this. Yeah, absolutely. It's so true, Claire. And it, and it is scary to stand on the edge of the cliff and take that leap out into the unknown Yeah, and to, to, choose to say, do you know what? I don't want to hang around people who put me down. Mm -hmm. And it is scary, but just trust that when you create space, so when you don't have any space, you're not going to meet the right people. Mm -hmm. But when you create space, that space will fill with what you're attracting. And when you develop a, a, a beautiful sense of self-love, mm -hmm. self-acceptance, you will attract people who love at that level and that level of love that's not selfish mm -hmm. that when something good happens for you they are genuinely happy 
you know, and yeah. they, like you said, they champion you, you know, and what would you rather? Would you rather have friends that have a quality of connection that's at this level of putting you down and making you not feel great? Or would you rather have a smaller group of friends who make you feel wonderful and beautiful and loved and, and worthy and all the nice things, you know? Yeah. Uh, so so I literally was like, oh, I'm getting emotional. I love it. It's so great. I love, this has been a fantastic conversation. I feel like we could do this for hours, but we can't. Are you winding this up? Surely uh, we can't talk for hours. <laughs> um, well, so, so Jim, tell people, where can they find you? Because you obviously, um, you've got a lot of great information to share. Where can people connect with you? Probably the easiest place to reach out to me is on my website, which is gemfuller.com. So J-E-M fuller.com. And you can find my books on there and my online courses. You can reach out to me and um, shoot me an email and say hi. Uh, and also I, I recently did a TEDx talk on communication. Um, and I'm really hoping that lots of people watch it because I think there's some really useful tips in there. So if you go onto YouTube and just search Gem Fuller, that TEDx talk will come up. Cool. You should put the link on your website so people can find it. It's on there. It's on okay, the front okay, page good. of the website. Okay, so if you go to the website, you'll find everything. You'll go down the rabbit hole. Awesome. Well, oh, and can I can I just say, Claire, yeah. the book, just super quickly, sorry to jump in. Um, the book also, because I'm on a mission um, to help people, the book is The Art of Conscious Communication for Thoughtful Men, and you can grab that on Amazon. And the feedback that I'm – it's only just been published, and the feedback that I'm getting is that it's really helping – people um which is the reason i wrote it so amazing yeah. all right well go find go to jem's website check out his book and thank you so much for being here jem it was a fantastic conversation really appreciate it and thank you for listening and watching and i will see you in the next episode bye